Gather round, children. This is the Dice Tower Network. The Broken Meeple, Season 2, Episode 34. Horror! Tonight you get to hear a special discussion between me and Jason Perez from Every Night is Board Game Night, the podcast, as we discuss the pros and cons of Arkham Horror, the third edition, comparing it to the second edition as well as other Arkham Horror games. Hi guys, this is The Broken Meeple, I'm Luke Hector and you're listening to The Podcast. Yes, this is like a bit short notice for another podcast, isn't it? Well, you know, like I said, wanted to give you a little Christmas treat. Because over Christmas, I'm unlikely to be doing a lot of video content. I'll put some stuff out, but I really need to get down and start crunching on this Adobe Creative Suite. Because I've barely started, I've got these courses that I need to do, and I've just been so busy. Work, social life, and getting these reviews out post-Essen. Why do you think I did the compilation video as a way of catching up? And I need to do another compilation video, either before Christmas or after, in order to catch up with the stuff I've still got at the moment. But I want to use some of the spare days I have over Christmas to really knuckle down into that suite and get season three ready. Hopefully for when the new year starts, or if not, at least a short period into January. I certainly don't want to delay it any longer than January for getting season three up and running. I want it to be a kind of start of the year, new thing for 2019. So what I wanted to do was give you a bonus podcast now. And I've been waiting some time to do this because obviously Jason wanted to put it on his podcast first. Basically what happened was he invited me on his show, Every Night is Board Game Night, and I suggest you go listen to the podcast, it's a great listen, and we get along, we you know we talk a lot about games, we've got very differing views about games, but we have a lot of back and forth banter between us, you know, I like the discussions we have, and it doesn't matter that we don't share the same opinions on a lot of stuff, it's great that we just can talk about this kind of stuff, it's really cool. So what he did was that he invited me on his show for a brief segment, to talk about Arkham Horror 3rd Edition. Now, you might have already, you know, seen my review of this on YouTube, but, you know, so you, so you want to get my thoughts on the game, you can see it there. But we wanted to compare not only what Arkham Horror 3rd Edition was like in general, but we wanted to also compare it to how it how it fares against the 2nd edition. We wanted to see how it fared up against things like Mansions of Madness and the LCG. I wanted to get his views, you know, what did he think of the game, his pros and cons versus my pros and cons. And it was an interesting little discussion and a bit of funny banter here and there. And, you know, it's always a good thing. So I'm going to basically play you the audio that he recorded for it. So we did it on Skype. He recorded and edited it on his end. It's been on his podcast since I think the 7th of December. So I'm now putting it on this podcast in his his edited form. I haven't tinkered with it whatsoever. It is purely his work. So credit to him for doing it. But first, I mean, I wanted to mention briefly the whole thing with horror games in general because let's face it when we say the word horror we think scary but in all well and fairness is there really a game out there that properly scares you probably not you know we all talk about things in life that scare us you know whether it's a phobia like a phobia and all the fear of dying that kind of thing 
But we also talk about movies that are scary. And, you know, we have movies that do legitimately scare us, whether it's a cheap jump scare, which I'm not a fan of, you know, because anybody can just go boo and scare you. But, you know, ones that actually make you feel a little bit scared and uneasy or a bit uncomfortable. But you never really get that in a board game. And I still had to try and think why that's the case, because there's a lot of horror-themed board games. I mean, you've got the Arkham Horror Cthulhu series, that's all about, like, fantasy-style sci-fi horror. You've got games like Escape from the Aliens and Outer Space, that, you know, is supposedly like, ooh, aliens coming to eat you, ooh, scary, but it's like, doesn't really feel that sort of scary. And even, like, alien legendary encounters, you know, it's a, it's a card game about aliens that basically ferocious killing machines that eat you alive. It's like, that should be scary, but it technically isn't. Even when you get things like the chestburster card and stuff like that, it doesn't necessarily scare you. So why do movies do it, and why don't games? The only way I can think, the only, the only distinction I can make is that, and this also actually applies to video games, because video games can scare you easily. Oh my god, video games can scare you better than some movies can. But again, why those two? And not board games. Well, the main distinction I make is atmosphere. A movie can create atmosphere. You watch the original Alien movie, it's what I believe to be the best horror film, proper horror film of all time. You're on a spaceship in the middle of no in outer space. You're claustrophobic with the way that ship's designed. One of your crew members is out to kill you. This alien that you have no idea about is trying to kill you. You know, it's there and it just, you cannot kill it. You have no means of killing it, no weapons that will hurt it, whatever. That film builds up such an, uh, with the soundtrack as well, builds up such an atmosphere of dread and suspense, and some of it is aided by the music, but also the visuals and just the setting it represents. A movie can do that, sound being a big kicker in that. A video game can do the same. You play something like Alien Isolation, or the Outlast games, or Resident Evil 7, those games can be scary, but they build up a sense of dread. You hear the ambient music, it's claustrophobic. You, you most of the time can't fight against the thing that you're fighting against, um, the, the thing you're running away from. Alien Isolation and Outlast and you know, even Resident Evil 7 to an extent, not as much, but you know, to a similar extent, are perfect for that. Because you have to run away most of the time with a camera or some other thing. Like If you get chased down by the big baddie, you're dead. So that feeling of helplessness is definitely a factor in, you know, causing you to be scared by a movie or, more case, a video game. But again, the sound, the visuals, everything creates atmosphere. I feel like I'm watching the movie Alien when I play Alien Isolation, and that's why that was a genuinely, like, scary game. Now, of course, jump scares can happen in both, and I find that just cheap. You know, I hate movies that just rely on jump scares. It's not proper scary, it's just surprise, and anybody can be shocked by a surprise. You know, but it does make me in video games edge along a bit slower than usual when I'm walking around, particularly like, say, Resident Evil 7, because I'm just walking around and I'm just half expecting something to come out of the wall at me. And that can fill me with dread, it can scare me, but again, it's because of a jump scare, it's not because of atmosphere. But, you know, that's a, a side thing. So why can't a board game replicate that? Well, board games don't have the added bonus of sound, and even then, it's just ambient music. The, it doesn't have necessarily the visual aspect. You know, you're looking at a bunch of cardboard tokens, a bunch of pieces on a board. 
The game is about you having to think about how to solve a puzzle, or rolling dice, or drawing cards. It It's very interactive. You don't feel like you're in a helpless position, you just feel like, ah, I gotta go knock over that piece. Roll dice, yes, I've done it. Or like ghost stories, you know, wow, we're defending from all these ghosts, but it's basically a bunch of cards on the board. And I think it's kind of like the mental filter in your head. There's a discussion that goes on with things like practical effects versus CGI in movies and that, where with something that's practical, it may not look as good sometimes as a CGI, but you have only one filter to get through in your head. You know that whatever you're seeing is right there, even it may look a little bit cheap or the animatronics might not be as good. But CGI, unless you have got pitch perfect CGI, and we're talking like Gollum from Lord of the Rings pitch perfect here, there's two filters you have to get through. One, you have to bear in mind that it's basically some creature that doesn't normally exist. But then you also have to get through for the fact that it's basically a computer-generated image, which means that you it's two filters for you to realize it's not really there. And that's why a lot of shows and movies that use too much CGI aren't that interesting, because it's like, yeah, whatever, I know it's not really there. But, uh, you know, things like the original Jurassic Park film, you know, that was a giant animatronic T-Rex. <laughs> that was a giant animatronic velociraptor that comes out of the hedge and eats the other guy. It's like, you know, these, it just works so much better with those. And with that, I feel that maybe it's a similar thing with this. With a movie and a video game, there's only so many filters you have to get through in order to feel dread and feel scared. And the combination of the music, the ambience, the visuals, and the setting, you know, puts you in that position. With a board game, you've just got far too many filters because your imagination has to basically picture everything for you because you're just staring at a bunch of cardboard. So, you know, you've got to realize that there's nothing really scary here. You're just playing a game. You're there to have fun. All of these things come together and just make you realize yeah, you're not really scared playing this game. You're not really experiencing horror. You can experience tension, but that's a different story. Tension is just like playing a hidden movement game. And it's like, no, don't find me, don't find me. Oh, don't go there, don't go there. And tension's not quite the same as being properly scared. It's just like, you're kind of nervous. You don't want anything to happen. I don't know. That's just a little side topic. It kind of just came to my head whilst I was thinking about horror-themed games. Anyway, but I've taken up enough of your time. I will see you after Christmas on the podcast. So, uh, you know, enjoy the show from, you know, myself and Jason Perez. The podcast will end after that uh, audio finishes. And just generally, to all of you, thanks for listening. I will see you in Season 3, probably with the next podcast episode. At least that's what I'm thinking. And uh, just thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I wish you all a very happy Christmas and a great new year. Take care, and I'll see you soon. Alright, let us get on to the meat of the episode. As I said at the beginning, uh, we are going to be covering Arkham Horror 3rd Edition. Uh, just came out uh, last month at Gen Con, I think it was. Uh, people have been playing and have a good time. So, uh, you can't really review this game without reviewing what came before. I mean, you have Arkham 2nd Edition, you have Arkham... Arkham this, Arkham that, all over the place. So I put out the call on Twitter for an expert, someone who's played more Arkham than I have. You know, I enjoy Arkham just fine, but like there are people out there that really get into on the 
you know, I enjoy Arkham just fine, but like there are people out there that really get into it. And my friend who we have, uh, we've done a lot of pro- uh, projects together, uh, lots more to come. Uh, this is the Broken Meeple, Luke Hector, friend of ENGN, is on the show to talk about all things Arkham. Welcome back to the show, Luke. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I've been taken over by Cthulhu. <laughs> So we had a video call. He did the thing where he puts his hand in front of his mouth and does the little tentacle things. <laughs> I'm not sure that he's got very high pitched on your end. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah, Luke is a big time Arca fan. If you saw our top 100 uh, co ops or uh, heard on the audio, uh, you, we had a lot of Arkham on there. And most of that was, was Luke's responsibility. So, <laughs> glad you're here to help us uh, sort all this out. That's all right. <laughs> Okay, so um, yes, let's go right into a comparison with Arkham Second Edition, especially like really the critical question is comparison with Arkham Second Edition, especially like really the critical question is if you have Second Edition or if you enjoyed it at all, is this something new? Like, is this a genuine Third Edition? Is it a totally different game? Is it not a different game? Like, let's just we're gonna parse all that out for you. Um, but let's uh, just kind of give some background. So this is a Arkham Third Edition. The lead designer here was Nikki Valens, who's uh, who's designed a lot for Fantasy Flight. I think she went um, freelance at this point, so I don't know if we're going to get more from her in the Fantasy Flight universe. But this is kind of something that uh, I think she was she she participated in Elder Tar. She you know lost of stuff for them. Um, based on the designs of Richard Launius for the first edition and Kevin Wilson for the second edition. Um, so. In a nutshell, like this is Arkham, right? I think you'd agree, Luke. Like this is, there's a certain vibe at this point when it comes to like one of these big adventure Arkham games. You're playing an investigator. You're on a big board. You're looking for clues. You're fighting off monsters. You know, you have, and five hours later, maybe <laughs> you either win or you go insane and whatever it is. Um, really, what you're in any Arkham in any Arkham game for is the kooky stuff that happens. So there's encounters and there's the mythos thing, which is kind of like the grand global event. Uh, there's a lot that just, you know, you see your reflection and, you know, you, you creep out in horror or you, you see this un, you know, terrible monster or you get lost in time and space or you get you seal your doom with a pact with some eldritch power. And I mean, that's kind of what you're in any Arkham game. I think those are the kind of the basic elements, you know, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it still feels like Arkham, but you've... What this is essentially trying to do is streamline it from second edition. Yes. I it, because second edition is one that I've had for a long time. It's is a solid game, but everybody has to admit right now it is fairly clunky in its rules because it's got a lot of them. And because Fantasy Flight did what they always do with all their Arkham Horror games, which is expand them beyond recognition. <laughs> it's got so much content in it that if you play with anything more than a couple of expansions, it just becomes a mammoth beast. But it was still always good fun to play. But as you say, yeah, you're talking a minimum of what, like three hours plus <laughs> to finish any game. I mean, you do these as an event, like around Halloween or on a, a weekend night. This is not something you take to a game night and say, yep, Okay, we're going to play second edition of Arkham Horror. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, th- this is quote unquote the streamlined version. Like, we can kind of argue about whether the the, it, the third edition is actually or like you know, especially in terms of its gameplay streamlined. I wanted to uh, break it down though. Um, I broke it up into three 
parts, three aspects where we can analyze this. And we'll take each in turn. Uh, the gameplay part, I'm going to leave for last because I think we'll have the most to say. But let's start with the first thing that you see. The first thing that gamers saw when the announcement was first made, which was the board of the new edition and you know just kind of the general components. So in Arkham, uh, and you know, there, I think the thing that links Arkham Second Edition or Third Edition is the fact that it's in Arkham. Like it's not this big adventure. It's not kind of going place to place to place. It's it's in one area. It's in like the one city of Arkham. Or it's in the one museum or whatever it is. Uh, so. In second edition, you had this giant board and it you needed table space. <laughs> I mean, if you didn't have a big table, then go ahead and go grab your TV trays and go have whatever you could to, to take all those cards and all that all the other stuff that was there. Smaller, much smaller here in Arkham Third Edition. And the way they pull that off is that they have this kind of these five what is it? Um hexes that kind of like they're kinda like weird hexagons. Um just looking at the yeah picture here five hexagons each one split into three segments split by little jigsaw puzzle that you put together and the amount you put down is dependent on player count mm-hmm. where whereas in the past you had the whole board and it didn't matter how many players you had i don't think so it's it condenses it down you right you still, in a sense, have the same amount of locations, but if you imagine that on the second edition board, it was one giant rectangle and all the locations were separated out in big lines. Here, because you've got three per hex, you still have effectively, I mean, what for a typical player game, you've got five hexes out, so 15 locations to go to. So you've still got plentiful places, but it does keep the table space a lot smaller. Yeah, plus, you know, the, the street spaces. So you have it, like, it feels smaller, but in reality, there's as many spaces. And we could talk a little bit about the geometry of it. Um, I'm just going to say it. Like, a lot of people are really critical of this because it makes it look like a space station, like Space Station Arkham, or, you know, like this has this kind of sheen to it. I got to agree with them. Uh, this board is ugly, dude. <laughs> uh, this board is ugly, dude. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. It's, it's something that I'm not used to all the bit because they're so used to seeing this grandiose board. But I think the whole space station vibe is just because they've seen a lot of games come out where this is used as a space station style setup board. So I think it's kind of they've been what's the word not biased towards it, but I think they've just kind of kind of like been brainwashed into that way of thinking. Like you know, this is what you use for a space station one. But it in some ways it does feel a little bit more like an actual city because you imagine like the rectangle board you kind of sort of think right well i've got to get all the way from the top to the other end nothing loops around you can't sort of circle the places it's just a rectangle map at least with this it feels more like what a city probably would you know if you could you could go from rivertown towards the merchant district to the left or something but then you could go up to you know downtown above and then straight down from that back to the merchant district as well so it just feels a bit more like it's a not 3d but you know what i mean city and the artwork does help with this a lot because the other second edition only had this sort of yellow uh archaic sort of covering all over it it didn't it, you know the only location pictures you ever saw were in tiny little windows which is all well and good but you know it left a bit to the imagination here all the hexes every single part of it is one giant sort of portrait or lands- landscape picture on each of the hexes and i gotta say the artwork i feel has been turned up a notch here because it looks Mm-hmm. gorgeous art-wise. A little dark for me, but I, I I see your thing about the actual art pieces themselves. Like, okay, so you, you know, I, I don't know, are you from London or, or you spend some time in London? Um, I've been to London every now and again. 
it's a big sprawling messy city. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, it's a, it's a mess. And I'm from New York City. New York City is a mess. Like you know, I mean, there's grid systems and everything, but like if you want to find this area, this area, this area, it's very kind of jumbled and chaotic, and kind of jumbled and chaotic. And this one, everything is so neatly laid out. It doesn't feel. It feels so clinical. Like I guess that's where the space station comes. I'm like, this feels like a very clinical board where you know I, you can go two spaces and there's this many options and it's almost like a like a scientist came up with this board as opposed to a person who plays games <laughs> I, I i don't know like I mean, i'm i'm it's funny to be like so critical off the bat but like it's the first thing you see and i know a lot of gamers are going to look at it and go oh so i'm actually fascinated that you appreciated it more than i did but i i just thought and plus like it, the fact that it's modular yeah i get it from a gameplay perspective you want more modularity but like it's a city you know, so does this is in a city is the the blacksmith is here and then the florist is there. And then like I, all I do is like go three days later and then they're switch positions. It doesn't make sense to me. You know? So I just I'm I'm down. So in terms of like the three categories, um, the, this part, I'm going to say Arkham Third Edition thumbs down <laughs> as um, thumbs down. As um, I'm, there's bits and pros and cons to each. I mean, I can't really say which one I like better out of the the two. You've got a giant board, you know, with all the different locations, but most of it was just, you know, let's have a look at this board again. Yeah, you got like the street map in the background, but then it was basically a bunch of names with green lines, sort of connecting them. All the gates down one side, and a little bit of text underneath each one because you had to read a ton of text in the old one just as much. Um, at least the other one gives me a nice picture to look at. And yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Yeah, it does look a bit clinical from the sake of, right, everything's kind of organized in this modular fashion. But I think that's just kind of the way a lot of games are done these days. You know, modular is the next thing forward because at the end of the day, I would rather that the locations were switched around every now and again. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like you're playing campaign mode where your first play of this, you've got the map set up like this and then you're technically continuing a campaign. It's like, well, mm-hmm. no, nah, it's a separate separate game. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what the LCG is for, right, my man? Yeah, that's true. I <laughs> still love that one. <laughs> that is still the favorite. <laughs> nice. Uh, okay, so then, so this one is a thumbs down for me. So let's go to the part that's actually a thumbs up. You open the box, um, and you, you start to set up the game. And I wanted to uh, just take a little bit of time to talk about the investigators. So Luke mentioned it. Like, you know, this is a quote-unquote streamlined, modernized version of Arkham Horror. It says so right in the description. This is why this exists. This is a modernized, streamlined version I think modernized is the word they used. So where I may not have, I have quibbles with the board. I think the investigators definitely reflect advances in the game experience. So in Arkham Second Edition, there wasn't, the, the characters weren't very exciting. You know, you mean you started, you kind of were all the same, except, you know, your health and your sanity might've changed. You kind of started all the same, but then you got items and you got different power-ups that made you different. Here, they do a lot. <laughs> they do a lot. So you start off with, you know, depending on your depending on your character, you start off with certain items, just like personal items, which gets you a little bit more differentiated right away, and you have a choice of those, which is a neat little thing. And then they do this little mechanism thing where you have buffs your stat, so you get a little token, and you can either keep the buff or when you you know because there's a lot of rolling. I mean, welcome to Arkham Horror. You're gonna roll your face off. Mm-hmm. You can actually use that buff to roll again. Uh, to get a re-roll and get, what, and get what you need. Like, that is so subtle and so cool. Like, I mean, and th- and it, that is not what happens in Arkham 2nd Edition. In Arkham 2nd Edition, if you wanted mitigation, you rolled more dice. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you had the... Basically, yeah. You could buff up some skills, but you had the little sliders, which 
up and down certain skills depending on what you were doing or whether you got injured. But you did start off relatively similar to each other. You only had some minor differentiation. But this one from like the first game I played of it, you can tell that a lot of this third edition, yes, they are streamlining the second one, but they have definitely borrowed from Eldritch Horror and the LCG a lot right. with the rules and the layout. Because these investigator sheets look like something out of Eldritch Horror, right down to the five stats being exactly the same. And even how I can all focusing is something from Eldritch Horror, but not necessarily to buff your skills easily. Because normally you had to do some encounter to buff. Now you just literally say, I'm going to buff uh, law, <laughs> which is great because sometimes <laughs> you might have that you might have that time when you grab a couple of items that spells, and you generally don't do that. And it's like, well, well I can focus a bit of law, fair enough. Now I can actually be right. competent, and I do like mm-hmm. these starting uh, um, items and that because you don't even use them all. You can cherry pick each time because I think you only pick like one or two out of three. Yeah, type, two, uh, two out of three. Yeah, for, for a lot of them. I'd like them to put a few more in just for variety's sake, but it's nice that you actually have a choice. And I, I can't remember the mobster's name, but he was the first one I played, and it kind of had a choice of, you know, he already came with a giant Tommy gun, and I think he had something like a talent skill or a giant vehicle. And it's like, well, which one do you think I'm going to pick? <laughs> I'm going to pick the giant car. And I spent the whole game running over cultists, which is totally <laughs> what you want to do in Arkham. You want to do in Arkham. It's like, is he chanting, run him down? <laughs> I will definitely get to what you were talking about, like in terms of like, you know, I'm just going to get in a car and run, mow them down uh, in the gameplay version, just to kind of talk a little bit more about the investigators. Like in Arkham Second Edition, I mean, y- you didn't have a lot like that's so in terms of the feel like Arkham Second Edition has this big um, reputation for being just a random fest and not a lot of control on the board, not a lot of like the ways that you could do to kind of control what goes on on the board. And that a lot of that is because the investigators just they start off so puny, and you know you have the focus sliders and that. And, and speaking of fiddly bits, that's the other rap that Arkham Second Edition gets fiddly. And those focus sliders are kind of like the emblematic of how fiddly it is. It is kind of like weird to manage. Here it's all cleaned up. They've had game after game after game after game to kind of get this right. And I feel like this is probably I don't know if it's the best. The only no way you can make it any better is go into the LCG or something. Because I mean these are even a slight improvement on Eldritch Horror because of the fact you can buff your skills. The sliders didn't make a lot of sense from the previous one because you ended up... It was weird. You slide up the sheet and it made something like your your speed higher, but it made your sneak worse. Okay, fair enough, I can sort of get that. (laughs) But then you had other ones where it's like, you know, your fight is higher, but your will is lower. And it's like, well, how are those two even related? (laughs) And lore and luck, it's just... It's kind of like, why do I have to make a skill rubbish to make another skill better? Why can't I just get better? <laughs> <laughs> yep, absolutely right. So, and again, and, it, and you know, the better you make yourself with one thing, it gimped you with another thing. So, heaven forbid, you had to, you know, actually do a check in that worst mm. thing, like you had to close a gate or something. And yeah, that, that again, um, the actually, you know what? So, oh, it's, it's, I think thumbs up, right? Thumbs up on you know at least the the game. Uh, the investigator side and like your player investigator side and like your player abilities. So I have one thumb down. I have one thumb up. So let's get to like the kind of granddaddy, which is the main event. So when we coordinated on email about this episode, Luke, you mentioned before that Arkham second edition has a sense of horror to it. And I didn't know what you meant. I mean, I kind of know what you meant, but I just wanted to uh, help you or uh, invite you to elaborate 
on how the second edition kind of generates that sense of horror and how the third edition kind of compares to that. It's one thing to note that when I say horror, I don't mean like when you play this game, you're going to have nightmares or it's going to like <laughs> jump scare you from time to time. But right. you get like some games where people will play these around Halloween or something. And it was always, you know, when it came to the Cthulhu ones, it tended to be Arkham Horror 2nd Edition or Mansions of Madness that got played. You never necessarily saw Eldritch Horror being played because Eldritch Horror doesn't feel much like this is a horror story being told. It feels more like this is Indiana Jones with made a story being told. It feels more like this is Indiana Jones with some weird mystical stuff thrown in, which is still fun. Right. But it, like I say, it doesn't... I think expanding the scale out to the world or something made it a little less on the horrific. The thing I always remember, though, because Arkham Horror was one of my first big games I started playing, was just the imagery on a lot of the like the um, ancient one lists or the, like some of the stories you got in the encounter cards or even just like the feel of the board and that itself. There was just something very innately creepy about it. I mean, the... You look at the ones these days, and an ancient one may literally just be a picture of the ancient one. It's like, okay, that's pretty cool. You know, looks awesome, yeah. but you know, not going to worry too much. Whereas I remember two ancient ones specifically in the old version. I remember one being, it looked like this giant head at the end of the, in this pit, and it's got a picture of it basically opening its mouth and two cultists throwing in a lady into it. It's like, it's like okay, pretty dark. And then I remember another one, um, what was she called? Queen of something. It was a Plateau of Leng or something. They're basically like Spiderville or something as far as I call it. And being arachnophobic, she ended up being like probably the worst thing I had to face. But <laughs> her face basically looks like um, the the Scream painting. <laughs> that, right. that sort of thing. That that kind of face, but on spindly legs or like, you know, almost spider-like creature. And it's just like, yeah, if I saw that creature, I'd be like <laughs> making bricks. Whereas if I look at anything now, I don't feel that bit. Maybe it's just because I've gotten used to, like, desanitized on the whole Arkham Horror thing. But there's just something about the second edition that I just thought, even though it was clunky, yes, even though it wasn't didn't flow smoothly, the, the story and the atmosphere just sort of came out with that one. Right. I, I think I, I get what you're saying. I mean, first of all, the art stuff is a real thing. I mean, you're not going to get too cultists throw a lady into the maw of a beast you know nowadays you're going to have the pc police kind of saying no <laughs> you know it'll be mm-hmm. there's certain things that are kind of have been sanitized out <laughs> of the art which you know you have you can go either way with that it's just kind of like it's there i mean and it kind of lessens that sense of horror um the second thing is so it's kind of the flip side of what we were talking about the with the investigators like in the investigators in arkham third edition you can do a lot like you know you can kind of affect your fate a lot there's items there's re-rolls there's a focus tokens and all this kind of stuff um the uh we had a, a guy named danny lott he he do, he designed a game called Coma ward and he defined horror for us on the show he said horror is the movie is is your main character in the movie and you have a gun but it doesn't work and you're surrounded by monsters. Yeah. In if you're in an action movie or suspense movie, the gun works. So, it, <laughs> so like the fact that they took so they take so much care to give you so many options and things to do, actually, you know, make you may make you feel more powerful, which is a different play experience. But it's not horror. And if you want horror, yeah. then you're gonna have to live with giant randomness and not being able to do stuff on a turn and being kind. Of, then you're gonna have to live with giant randomness and not being able to do stuff on a turn and being kind of you know way behind the eight ball and big swings and all kind of stuff like it has to be messy 
It has to be messy. That's part of the deal. So you're just not going to get that in a quote-unquote modernized streamlined version. So I guess, you know, in the translation, by making it modernized, it might have lost something really important about what made the second game so, or the second edition game so good. Mm. Well, it's the difference between, I mean, I like that analogy, actually, with the gun. But if I was to put it into movie terms, it's the difference between watching Alien and then watching Aliens, those two films. Because both are classics. But if I'm gonna, if someone's going to ask me what's my favorite horror film of all time, I'm going to say Alien because that is claustrophobic. You're on a ship. You have pretty much no guns whatsoever. You don't know what the thing is. It's dark as anything. Half your crew wants to you ax you off anyway. So you already feel quite helpless and you've still got this killing machine going around. Switch it then to Alien trying to kill you but then you have a squad of marines armed with big guns right. and even you end up with your big gun in flame for and stuff like that. so even when the queen appears it's like well, i've still got a big gun in the flame <laughs> for her and then i've got a, a big art loader so it's like it's right. cool <laughs> as all get out but this is kind of different you're saying that arkhamara second edition is adian the horror film whereas the third edition is more adians the action <laughs> the action film and same with eldritch and the lcg is kind of in between this is an action movie of a board game i mean to the point where like we've talked about the board being so different and the investigators being so different and now we're talking about kind of the vibe and we're not going to get into all the mechanics there's like you know they they change the way they close you open and close gates and they change the way you uh investigate clues and stuff um but i guess the take-home message of that is that they've they've changed so much that i think the only thing that's the same is the fact that it occurs in arkham and that's what makes it Arkham Third Edition. <laughs> I can do. I want to pick up the third. It's a whole different game. I, I would. I would say it's a whole different game. What do you think? It's kind of the way I've gone. I've, I've got the review of it coming out this week, actually, and it's it's such a hard choice because there's a lot of nostalgia I have for the second edition one because it's in that vault and it's you know I can't sell it off because there's no boxes for it anymore. It's like it's there. Yeah. But the third edition is the one that I'm going to get to the table more because it is it can be long. But it is possible to shorten it a bit, and you can still solo it in relatively quick time. But it is just that the fact that I can teach this and get it done in a game night is going to get it to the table more often, which is definitely going to boost it a lot. And it has significantly changed mechanically from the second edition. I think that if you've got the second edition and you love it, you could still get the third edition and have them as two separate games yes. but i've never arkham horror to me is not about mechanics if you know if you want mechanics you go play a euro game you go play something by alex fister or something you know if you want or something you know if you want just nothing but mechanics but arkham horror the mechanics are just there to keep the game going when you say vibe that's what arkham horror is it's that atmosphere and theme that you get from it yeah there's randomness and you're going to be dice chucking but you're living a horror story you know there's a reason the lcg gets so much buzz at the moment because when you play that it is such a good narrative game you know even if you don't like deck building or you know certain bits like that but my god does it tell a good narrative yeah and you know arkham horror any arkham horror game you should play should be a thematic experience which is why when you get these dry euro versions of arkham horror games you know cough cough study an emerald you know, <laughs> <laughs> it drives me nuts <laughs> Oh man, you went back to the vault for that one, studying Emerald. I haven't seen that in years. Yeah, not since the second edition. Well, I'm not a fan of that, but you you got other ones like Witcher Salem mm-hmm. and a couple of other sort of Arkham ones, which are more Euralized. Now, this isn't a game that wants to be Euralized. This is one that wants because I think if any other publisher tried to do Arkham Horror, it would fail. 
I think you need someone like Fantasy Flight, which is mostly about theme right. rather than which is mostly about theme right. rather than mechanics. That's kind of their shtick, or the way that they tend to be anyway. Right. Yeah, the, the dice filling of everything, all the other stuff. If you're Fantasy Flight, you're talking mm-hmm. dice. Um, okay, so then actually mechanics-wise, there is one thing I, I did want to note that actually kind of brings home the distinction between Arkham 2nd and Arkham 3rd Edition. So it's the way that the scenario plays out. So in Arkham 2nd Edition, it's basically one scenario, but there's different old ones, and the old ones, or the, the gods, or whatever it is, the enemy, uh, will kind of put in a global effect that changes things. So, you know, it might, you know, encourage monsters, or it might, you know, open more gates, or whatever. Um, but it's basically, you're doing the same thing, and it's a your Mythos deck and your encounter decks are basically giant decks of cards, and whenever you get expansion, just, like, dump more, dump more cards in there, <laughs> which means you're going to have, like, wild experiences and the story kind of emerges from all the stuff that you do. So like when you play a game of Arkham Horror 2nd Edition, it's going to be like Arkham Horror 2nd Edition. It's going to be like you do a bunch of stuff. A bunch of stuff happens. And then a story emerges from the end of it. So it's like, remember when you did this? Remember when you fell down the hole? Remember when you saw that, you know, uh, that spider coming out of you and Luke jumped out of his chair and ran into the bathroom and all that good stuff? Um, in <laughs> I feel some of that was invented. <laughs> <laughs> In Arkham 3rd Edition, they do a lot more to tell a kind of a coherent story. So you have your initial quest, like you, you, those, your initial scenario, so everything's scenario-based, and you kind of you kind of have a general idea of what's going on, but you don't know really what to do in terms of the main goal. They keep that kind of open-ended. So you basically, you know, it's, it's an Arkham game, so you're going to be investigating clues, and there's clues in different parts of the board. Once you investigate those clues and you move forward the story, you actually add cards to what they call a codex, and they tell more of the story. Uh, Character decks. So then to kind of unfold the story a little bit more piece by piece by piece. The upshot of that is it isn't like an open sandbox at all. Like, I mean, the Arkham game or the Eldritch game is way more sandboxy. Here, you're going to go from story beat to story beat to story beat. Kind of like the Fallout game. I don't know if you played Fallout from Fantasy Um, Flight. Friends of mine have, I haven't, but I get the gist of what you mean. It's yeah. it's very much in they they took whatever was done in that game and they put a lot of it into this game where you know you have your story cards and they go they get seated into the top two of the encounter deck, uh, so you're gonna be able to kind of move the story forward, but because of I think because of the way it's kind of structured a little bit, it really puts you on a like it shoots you through. Like you have to do this part of the story now. It's not like you have like, you know, a whole bunch of turns where in, in previous games you can kind of like pick your direction a little bit. Like there was time pressure, but you didn't have to go. You know how I felt open-ended. Here you kind of have to like, okay, I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to, when I finish this, I'm going to read this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. It, it just, it felt like a, like a really propulsive kind of pulp action narrative, which I don't know, man. I, I don't know how I felt about that. You know, maybe that is the modernized streamlined thing of it, but I, it didn't feel like Arkham to me. But I don't know what you, what you thought about that. Well, the Arkham Second Edition had this thing with the encounters because they were they were cool, they were atmospheric, and they were horrific, and they were my favorite part of the game. But they were quite random. Because you had the Ancient One, and you generally had to close gates, and you had to kill monsters. But other than that, I think you might have differentiated the monsters, but I think it was mainly that each Ancient One pretty much just had a special rule on the game. Right. Yeah, so the encounters rule, happened... Right. 
yeah, so the, the encounters were more randomized. You know, you might be dealing with, you know, Cthulhu, and then all of a sudden, Yogg Sothoth's like goat, goat coat cultists or whatever, like down in the woods. And it's like, well, hang on, that's not even relevant. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's like, that's a totally different area of Arkham. And there's a spaceman you know, over Yogg... here. It's like, where'd that spaceman come from? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the same. You've got like the Yogg Sothoth bit there, and then suddenly it's like, oh, now we're in time and space. Hang on a minute. It's, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's very much more randomized, whereas ever since Aldridge and the LCG and all that lot, you have got that more cohesive story because now the scenario plays out still reminding you, yeah, you are actually trying to stop the arrival of Azovoth here, which is why you suddenly have a bunch of cultists it's, and no deep ones, for example. You know, why you, your codex is telling you to, you know, investigate these areas. Oh, now there's a big portal in the sky. Right now, go seal it. You know, it's, it's not just suddenly inserting random bits of the Arkham lore, yeah. which is not necessarily a modernization thing. I think that's just a general criticism of second edition. That just got fixed, you know, in the sense, because at the end of the day, movies have to do the same thing. They've got to tell a story. That's just a general criticism of second edition. That just got fixed, you know, in the sense, because at the end of the day, movies have to do the same thing. They've got to tell a story from beginning to end. Well, I guess I, I'll actually push back against that a little bit because, like, it's the weirdness, it's the crunchiness that kind of makes a cool story emerge after the fact that's like very unique i feel like i'm playing in this game i feel like i'm playing someone else's story you know um in so like uh, did you did you watch um are you you video you're a video gamer right and now and again um mass effect the the mass effect Uh, one two and three i didn't i didn't play them but i have seen a lot of like clips and reviews and stuff like that often but yeah i know mass effect was heralded for having this really good story for the majority of it and i remember news articles where fans got completely like annoyed and exactly. just uproared exactly what was it mass effect 3 <laughs> ending yeah the mass effect 3 ending so it was like all this branching story you can kind of do, you know what you did it was the exact same ending with like a different color explosion and that's and that's what that was their nod to like okay things happening differently and it's like what is happening I kind of got that feeling from Arkham where, you know, if I'm playing, you know, beat to be beat, actually, I'll I'll, I'll only put a pin in that by saying, like, there are choices. So, like, if you, you know, let's say you're the first part of the story and either you accomplish whatever it says or you don't, you actually branch. So the path branches a little bit. But even then, like, you know, I'm branching in a certain area. Like, I can go here and then here and here. And I can kind of fork a little bit, but it's not truly open. So, again, that is not a bad thing or a good thing. I think at the end of the day, this is a different game. Like, it's not a better game or a worse game. It's a very different, very different game. It's more propulsive. It's more, um, you know, action, pulpy oriented than some of the more open-ended stuff. Um, My, to me, I don't prefer it. I like Eldritch. I love Eldritch. And we haven't really talked about Eldritch. Eldritch is kind of my, my great Arkham game. It's, I love the world stuff. I love the open world end of it. I love the fact that the encounters are kind of like, you can have an encounter in Rome, you can have an encounter in the Himalayas or whatever. That matters to me. Uh, the expansion, I a little sideboard, so kind of like, it's even more open-ended. Arkham 3rd Edition felt very constrained, even with the pathing story that's pathing, they determine the paths for you. So I can have two paths, but if like it's, if it's two choices that you're giving me, I still feel a little bit constrained. So Eldritch gave me that open-ended kind of like anything can happen type vibe. And I have all the stuff for it. I'm not getting rid of it. So Eldritch is going to be my mm. big, Arkham, big Arkham game of choice. So Eldritch is going to be my mm. big, Arkham, big Arkham game of choice. Um, I, wh- where do you land on that, Luke? What, what, what's your big Arkham game of choice? 
at the moment still Eldritch started off as being my big game of choice, but again, it's going down the way of second edition Arkham Horror, where it's just getting too bloated for its own good. Right. I've still got it, I've still got everything for it, and I still enjoy it when I bring it out, but I, I suppose it's with that one I have to accept that I'm not really there for necessarily any encounters, it's more that this is an adventure game with with some Arkham bits thrown in. I I still like second and like third edition of Arkham Horror, and I, you know, to have encounters and have that little bit of focus you know you can have a little bit of branching paths but you know it's nice to have a bit of structure for me though i mean my two go-to games are mansions of madness second edition and arkham horror lcg at the moment mm. uh the lcg as probably the current favorite just being yes okay well you get some branching narrative because depending on how you end each scenario will dictate will dictate certain elements that come through the campaign like you know did you lose this you had a sidekick. Did he die or did he turn against you? Well, that's going to have an effect later on. So you do get some branching paths there. And again, you can get an LCG game done in an hour. So it's <laughs> nice and nice and quick and solid. Mansions of Madden 2nd Edition, a lot longer. <laughs> but that gives <laughs> yes, me the whole... But then that horror element that I miss out of Arkham Horror 2nd Edition is not in Eldritch, it's in Mansions of Madness, because you've got the app, you've got the ambient music, it's got all the different encounters and the horror effects that turn up, and you're playing it almost a bit like a dungeon crawl, not entirely, but it's, you know, you, you, you start off in a room, or like in a hotel, and then suddenly you move out, and then, oh, you're on the Arkham streets now, and then you go into other buildings, and you find the curiosity shop, and then the plot unfolds. Granted, there's only so much variation you'll get from a repeat play, so, yeah, I get it, Eldritch Horror, yeah, I get it, Eldritch Horror can be very different. But then I suppose that's just mainly due to what encounter guards you pick up, which is no different from any other Arkham game. Mm-hmm. So, I guess, in terms of, you know, wrapping this up, I think Arkham 3rd Edition is the, definitely the most action-oriented of the Arkhams. I, I see why they call it Arkham 3rd Edition, mostly for sales, I suppose. It's kind of unfortunate because it creates that question that I don't think needs to be there. This is such a different game. You know, it's it's so much more kind of aggressive and streamlined and it tells like that kind of coherent, propulsive story. And, you know, there's so many other games in this universe and they're all kind of clustered together. But I think this is one distinct enough to kind of have its own life. And if you like that stuff, then go for it, man. If you like like Luke was saying, this is probably the easiest of the board games to get to the table. You know, you're you're likely I mean, it, it it'll take some time. Like it'll take you two or three hours, especially setup. Oh, Set up, <laughs> the setup on this you, thing is a beast. Oh my god! You, you got to get used to that part. It's not too bad, but I mean, this is as close. This is closer to Arkham Horror than it is the other ones because it's it's that same plot. You know, you're in Arkham. Here's your ancient one. Here's the gates. Here's the you know the monsters and that. So it 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 does feel different enough that it does not replace second edition Arkham Horror for the fans out there. Right. But I don't think I would have called this any other game. I wouldn't have sort of done the Eldritch Horror thing and gone, well, this is Arkham Horror, this is Eldritch Horror, and this is, I don't know, <laughs> add, insert name here. I'm trying to think of something funny and I can't, but Quartermaster Arkham, I don't know. It's like, <laughs> is a Quartermaster General Arkham Edition. It's like, it's not it's not like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy that it went third edition. It's just not every time somebody puts out a second third edition do you have to replace the original one. You know, because sometimes they are completely different. 
sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. Sometimes it is. Like there's sometimes where a second edition will just wipe out. Like I'm looking back here at Darkest Night Second Edition. Darkest Night Second Edition wipes out first. Just throw your here at Darkest Night Second Edition. Darkest Night Second Edition wipes out first. Just throw your first edition stuff away. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Mission, uh, Mission, Mission Red Planet is a similar one. Yeah, once right. they brought out the second edition reprint, it's like, yep, you don't need the first one. <laughs> yep, this is not that. This is a completely different game. Uh, I think people, yep, this is not that. This is a completely different game. Uh, I think people, there are certain people that are going to appeal to this. Uh, I'm keeping my Eldritch stuff. I'm probably not going to go into Arkham 3rd Edition. Uh, I know Eldritch is probably done with its cycle, but it's enough. <laughs> I, have, I have content for, 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 for years. We've so, got enough. I, I would like them to stop Eldritch, you know, because we have I, I think enough. they might. We I think they need, might. We don't need more Eldritch. I've got plenty enough Mansions of Madness stuff, and we've just had another expansion out. So, I mean, you can keep that going for a bit. Keep the LCG going. I'm more than happy. Right. As much as the the first part of my in, the intro to my Arkham Second Edition video, I'm sorry, Third Edition video, is me with the violin music in the background, looking over Second Edition rule books and that because it's <laughs> because it's such a hard decision. If someone says, "Right, are you now no longer going to play Second Edition?" It's like I've got such that nostalgic connection to Second Edition, but I have to be realistic and think that when am I ever going to get a chance to play it? <laughs> it's just such a behemoth game, and I'd have to relearn all the rules at Second Edition. Third edition is good enough for me because the other two I play solo anyway. Right. This one's the kind of one that I can go, you know what, if I've got three or four people who want to play this, I can at least bring this one out because I'm not going to have three or four people playing my LCG or the Mansion of the Madness one there. All right, so that does it for the Arkham Third Edition. I think that you guys have a sense of, you know, if you want to buy it, if you should buy it, uh, that is most of what you need to know. Go ahead and check out Luke's video. He's going to have... Uh, him staring wistfully at rule books and he's going to be able to have little graphics and everything uh, and he'll give you kind of some of the thoughts that he has as well um, stay tuned here we are going to get into our thank you for taking the time out of your busy life to listen to this podcast presentation if you like what you hear then please check out my other material on my various other platforms firstly the blog brokenmeeple.blogspot.co.uk where you can find all my written reviews and links to my other material you can find me on my Facebook page. You can also find me on Twitter at The Broken Meeple where you can ask me questions, get in touch and just generally have a good conversation. You can also check out my YouTube channel where I'm posting anything from a review to a top 10 list to board game app playthroughs and hopefully much more in the future. And speaking of the future, if you want to support The Broken Meeple then please subscribe to the Patreon campaign where you can assist in helping me keep this blog up and running and try out new ideas in the future. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast and I hope you enjoy listening to my other material. For now, take care and enjoy playing games. For me and everyone else on the Dice Tower Network, have fun gaming. Remember folks, Dice Tower Network cares. <laughs>